Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Can we give it up for that amazing testimony for Christina? Wow. And that's why we exist. That was just a small glimpse of what can happen through a gospel conversation. Uh, my name is John McCann. I have the opportunity to serve as one of your pastors here at Vintage Church. And I'm so excited that you are here because I have the opportunity to be concluding our series that we're in called Gospel Conversations. And as you think about that, we have many conversations throughout our life. We have conversations with our family members. We have conversations with our loved ones, conversations with our coworkers. Some of us have conversations with our pets. How many people talk to their pets? Some of our pets have conversations with us. How many pets talk back to you? And, and some of us understand what our pets are saying. How many people do that? We're going to get you all on TV. That's a gift. That's a gift. Um, but we have so many different conversations that we partake in from day to day. And I had a very interesting conversation a couple weeks ago. I had someone come up to me. I was at the park, and it kind of caught me off guard. They come up to me, and they look at me, and they say, Habla espanol? And I looked at them, I was like, no, 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 no hablo espanol. And then they kind of looked at me, and they were kind of confused because I answered their question, but I answered it in Spanish. So they were like, wait, you just said no, you didn't. So then I look at them, and I'm like, hablo espanol muy poquito, porque en mi escuela tengo un, un profesor muy malo. Which basically meant that I had a Spanish teacher in school that was a very bad Spanish teacher, so I only speak a little bit of Spanish. So I was sitting there, I was thinking, all right, this conversation is about to be over. Um, but then they pull out their phone, and they start speaking in Spanish to their phone. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? And then they hand me the phone, and after they hand me the phone, I look at it, and everything that they just said in Spanish is in English. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. We might need this for the mission trip, Chris. Um, so, <laughs> so then I talk back into it in English, and it translates it into Spanish, and it gives it to him. And then we're going back and forth through this phone. And what looked like was not going to be a successful conversation turned into a good conversation. Um, they were able to use this tool. They were able to use this resource that helped us navigate through that conversation. And as we think about the gospel and as we think about gospel conversations, we have been given a resource, we have been given a tool to help us navigate gospel conversations in the word of God. Does anybody love God's word in here this morning? I love God's word. And as we think about life, some people you might be giving church a try for the first time. And as we think about all the different things that come with life, trying to navigate through the broken places, trying to navigate through not knowing what to do next, trying to navigate through sharing the gospel, trying to navigate through being a good parent, trying to navigate, trying to become financially stable, all these different things through sickness and through hurt and through loss and through depression and through all these different things that we try to navigate, we are not left alone. We have God's word. His inerrant in word. And we have this roadmap that we can lean into. And I just love God's word. And I'm so excited that we are a part of a church that preaches the word of God. Is anybody thankful about that? Because I can get up here and I can give you three points. You know, and we can put on Dr. Phil and Oprah and hear what they have to say. But guess what? Absolute truth is found in the word of God. That's where absolute truth is found. So we're going to be looking in the word of God this morning in Romans chapter 10. 
If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 9. If you don't have your Bible, you can raise your hand in the air. Um, our Connect team is coming down. We would love to place one in your hand. We believe there's nothing better that you can do than to read God's word and accept the absolute truth in it and let it transform your life. Let it transform your life. So while we're turning there, a quick recap. Um, week one, Pastor Dustin kicked off this gospel series, this gospel conversation series with design and sin. Speaking about how God designed everything, everything was perfect, and then how sin entered the world. And, and it was such an amazing job and a, an amazing kickoff. And I just was thinking this past week, we are truly blessed to have an amazing lead pastor and Pastor Dustin Turner. Can we give it up for Pastor Turner? We, we were on a, a staff annual sailing trip uh, this past week, and I got sunburned. Um, I didn't think that could happen, but it happened to me. Um, so I've been in pain all week, and I was just thinking, man, we are truly blessed um, to have such a humble, um, God-fearing husband and, and, and father and lead pastor and pastor Dustin Turner, because he's not only your pastors, but he's a pastor amongst the pastors as well. So I thank you, Pastor Dustin, and I honor you. Um, I thank God for just being able to sit here underneath your leadership. Um, so he kicked that off with design and sin. And in week two, last week, for those people who um, did not evacuate from that deadly storm that hit New Orleans, um, he talked about brokenness and the gospel. Brokenness and the gospel. And today I'm going to be concluding this series by talking about believe and pursue. Believe and pursue. So if you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin reading at verse 9. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. Lord of who? Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And verse 17 concludes by saying, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Join me in a quick moment of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for everyone in this room, God. As we look at your word, and as we look at the truth that's found in this passage, God, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will encourage us, God. Don't just let this be another Sunday where we just come in, God, but I pray that we experience the transforming power of your truth. I pray for everyone in this room, those that know you, those that don't know you, God, I pray that today would be a day that we shall all remember because of the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a little bit of context of what's going on here. So uh, Paul, he's writing this letter, and in the beginning of Romans, we see that he's making an argument. He's basically letting everyone know, no matter who you are, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, that all of us are lost without Jesus. 
There's this lostness, and he's letting people know it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Without Jesus, we're all lost. So he, so he, he starts off in Romans. He talks about that, and then he continues on, and then he introduces this thing. He's like, but look, you don't have to stay lost. There's a man named Jesus who came and who died and who conquered sin, death, and hell for you and I. And if you believe in Jesus, then you will be justified through what he accomplished on the cross for you and I. So this is good. This is interesting news to them because he's letting them know like, hey, this thing that we're all lost without Jesus. But guess what? A lot of people think up to this point, there's all this list of things that you have to do. I have to do this. 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 And what Paul is letting them know is like, no, no, no. You are saved by faith. By faith. So then we get to this text. And as you look through chapters 9 and 11, what was going on during this time, there was a lot of people of Israel that were there that were not believing. And in this text, we're going to see that he answers a couple questions. One is, he kind of lays out, what does it truly mean to believe? What does it truly mean to believe? And what I want us to lean into this morning, because there are two different groups of people in this room, and what I want us to lean into this morning as our main focus, I have two questions. The first question is, are you really saved? Are you really saved? Maybe you're new to church, you're like, John, what does, what does that mean, am I really saved? Well, well, we believe that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we're going to be reading through this text of our response on how we are saved, but we believe that through Jesus we are saved from the penalty of sin and death. Through Jesus, we believe that we are saved from these things, and we get to experience the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the hope found in Jesus. So that's what we believe. It's, are you saved? So, and, and I think one of the saddest things that ever happens in life is people— that come to church every Sunday. They, 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 they go to the Bible studies and they think that they're saved, but they're really not. How sad is that? People that just go through the motions but have no heart change. So we're gonna be looking at this question because I believe potentially someone's here today, you're giving church a try, was so excited that you're here. And we're going to be looking at what does it mean to believe. And I pray with all my heart by the time we finish this, this sermon and this message and this text that you will believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And when we have this question, are you really saved? You can stand up with 100% confidence and say, I have been saved by Jesus Christ. But the other group of us, the question is, if so, how are you actively on mission for Jesus? Because some of us, we've been saved, and we think, oh, I've been saved. I know Jesus, you know, this and that. I have Jesus. Jesus has saved me, me and my family. We come to church, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. We think that's it. No, there's a mission. There's a mission. There's a purpose. There's an assignment. There is something that we have been invited into. And my question for you this morning is how are you actively in your life on mission for Jesus. So the first week, Pastor Dustin talked about how does the gospel story begin. Last week, he spoke on how does the gospel story continue. This week, I'm speaking on how does the gospel story end. How does it end? So let's, let's begin reading. So the first thing we're going to see is that we have to repent and believe. We have to repent and believe. 
Let's, let's, let's look at this, and as you think about repent, there's, repent is mentioned throughout the text a lot, and they have different definitions, but a holistic biblical definition for repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. A lot of times you hear repent means you're going this way, you ask for forgiveness, you recognize you're going the wrong way, and then you turn, and you go back towards Jesus. But you're turning because you've had a change in your mind about who Jesus is, about what he's done, and as you change the way you think, you change the things that you do. So we see that is repent and believe. So we have a couple things in this text that we can pull from as it relates to us having a, a heart of repentance and believing. The first thing is we must submit to the authority of Jesus. Submit to the authority of Jesus. Let's begin reading the beginning of verse 9. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, we have to submit to the authority of Jesus. How many people like submitting to the authority of other people? Nobody's hands went up. <laughs> and that's the problem, guys. Some of us, we don't, we don't want to submit to Jesus. We don't want to submit to his authority. But this passage says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. And as I think about submitting to authority, I think about, you know, submitting to people who are older. You know, people who are like 30 and older. And, uh, <laughs> and I had to get that in because uh, I'm turning 30 this year. So I'm joining the club of people who are old, who are 30 and, and older. And um, as I prepared to join this club, I told myself, like, you know, John, before you turn 30, you know, you should probably try to get in a little bit more shape. I like working out, but I don't like doing cardio. So I was like, John, you need to do some cardio in your life. You need to put some cardio in your life. So I joined this group called F3. Has anybody heard of F3 before? One person. Two, three. All right, awesome. Um, F3 for the three people that are in here. Um, <laughs> but I joined this group, and, and the F3, it stands for fellowship, fitness, and faith. Fellowship, fitness, and faith. And they have workouts every single morning across the whole city. It's a nationwide thing, but all across the city they have workouts. And I've been going to the Saturday workouts because the weekday workouts start at 5.30 a.m. And we know that God is not in that. Um, <laughs> you know, God wants us sleeping and praying during that hour. Um, so I haven't been going to the 5.30 a.m. workouts. However, I have been going to the 6.30 a.m. Saturday morning workouts. So I make as, mo as much of those as I can. If you want to join me, let me know. Um, but when you go to these workouts, they have someone called the Q. And the Q is the person who leads this workout. And every Saturday, there's a different Q. And the way that it works is whatever he says you have to do, you do it. So we're doing all, we're in City Park yesterday. We're running around. And we're doing push-ups. We're doing burpees. We're doing all this type of stuff. And I'm like, man, I hope I make it through. And every single time, I'm like the last person to make it through. Uh, but I'm there. And a lot of times the queue is giving us these responsibilities, these different tasks that we have to do, that we have to submit to. And a lot of times I'm sitting there saying, I don't want to do that. But then I think about this truth, like, I want, I want the benefit from doing that, but I don't want to do that. And I think about this truth that I don't want to submit to their authority, but I want the benefits that will come if I submit to their authority. And a lot of people look at Jesus the same way. They want, they want Savior Jesus. Save me, Jesus! Let me experience your love. Let me experience your peace. Let me experience your joy. They don't want 
Lord Jesus. And I have news for you. You don't get Savior Jesus without Lord Jesus. A lot of people like to treat Jesus like a buffet. I'll take this from you, Jesus. I'll take this from you. But you can't be my Lord, Jesus. You can't be my Lord, but you can be my Savior. You can give me some joy. You can give me some peace. You can give me a big house. If you're watching the people on TV, they say that. I don't believe in that. But anyway, you can give me all these different things, but I don't want you to be my Lord. But what does this say? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the thing about it is we don't want Jesus to be our Lord, but we have all these other false idols in our life. We let other people's opinions of ourselves be our Lord. We let this, this, this American dream of having a big house and having the, the, the picket fence and having the perfect kids, we let that be our Lord. What do we, want? we don't want Jesus as our Lord. We want the full benefits of Jesus without having the full belief in who Jesus is. But in order for us to be saved... We have to submit to the authority of Jesus. As you look throughout the New Testament, you're going to see that even as you look in the New Testament, as, as Jesus is referenced, as you look at the word Savior, it's not that much. It's like 10 to 15 times depending on the translation. But if you look at the word Lord, it's over 10 times the amount of times that it's mentioned as Savior. Because part of really being saved is having Jesus as your Lord. <coughs> allowing him to have lordship over your life. And, 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 I, and I love it because having Jesus as, as your Lord is not a kill joy. It's a key to joy. You know, you think of somebody being your Lord, you think of it like, oh, they're my Lord. This is, this is horrible. When Jesus is your Lord, it's not a kill joy. It's the key to joy. So we see as we repent and believe, we need to submit to the authority of Jesus. And as we submit, it says, confess, 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 because what captures our hearts now should come out through our mouths sooner or later. Whatever is in your heart should come out your mouth sooner or later. It says, confess, confess. And as you look at this word confess in its original translation, it means being in agreement and on a same accord with someone. So what the scripture is saying, what Paul is saying, as we submit to the authority of Jesus, we need to confess and we need to be on the same page and we need to be in agreement about who Jesus is, that it tells us in the word of God who he is. We need to be in agreement with God about who Jesus is. So we submit to the authority of Jesus. What else should we do as we repent and believe? Let's continue reading. Um, the next thing we should do is believe in the work of Jesus. Believe in the work of Jesus. Let's continue reading at verse 9. It says, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So this is telling us, so part of having Jesus as your Lord and Savior, part of being saved, maybe you're here in church, yes, you submit to the authority of Jesus, but then you have to believe in the work of Jesus. You have to believe in it. It can't just be something in your head, it has to be something in your heart. Somebody could have, uh, you know, they can know like, oh, I know who Jesus is, I know what, what he did, and I, I guess I'm a Christian, but nothing's happened in your heart? Sorry to let you know, you're not really saved. It's great that you're here. It's great that you tell people you go to church. It's great that you read your Bible. And I'm not knocking those things. Those are good things. But until your heart 
changes. So you believe in your heart. And, and we see this believing in the work of Jesus, and we have to realize what this text is saying. It says, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We, we have this truth that belief without confession is denial, and confession without belief is just ritual. We have this belief without confession. If you believe in something and you don't confess it, you might be in denial. I, I, I believe, and my, my girlfriend believes that I love her. But if I don't tell her I love her, I might not have a girlfriend no more. <laughs> I have to confess it. And if I confess it, if I just say it every morning, send her a little text, good morning, babe, I love you. But it's not in my heart. It's just a ritual. And the same thing is true about God. And the reason why we can believe in the work of Jesus is because the work of Jesus has been sufficient to pay for our sins. So like I said, I'm getting ready to turn 30 this year. Be praying for me as I make that big leap into manhood. And, and, and I think about birthday parties. And when I was younger, if you were in New Orleans or even some of the surrounding areas, there was a number one hot spot where the block was hot where you had your birthday party at, and y'all know where that spot was, right? Chuck E. Cheese. How many people had a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese? Make some noise. Nice. And I love Chuck E. Cheese, but guess what? I was scared of Chuck E. And <laughs> when I was really, really young, but then I, my mom was like, no, he's okay, and then I learned to love Chuck E. Um, but as I think about being at Chuck E. Cheese, I'm reminded that they have all these different games that you can play, and then you could get these tickets, and then you bring the tickets to this counter, and you're like a little kid, and you're looking at all the, the prizes, and you're looking at how many tickets you need to get all the prizes. And I remember one time when I was younger, I was looking, it was this big teddy bear. And I was thinking, and they were counting my tickets, and I didn't have enough tickets for the teddy bear. And he looked at me, he was like, I was like, sir, and he was like, what do you want? I was like, I really want that teddy bear. I don't have enough tickets. <laughs> he said, don't worry. He said, the person before you has so many tickets that, that, that they, they've covered the cost for you to get that teddy bear. And as we think about the gospel, as we think about this truth, that the cost has already been paid, there's been someone that has went before us, there's been someone who has paid the cost for us to be made right with God, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he has paid the cost, and all we have to do is believe and have faith. He's paid the cost. His cost is sufficient. A lot of religions are based on what you have to do, 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 do. Our religion is based off of what's already been done. We have to believe. We have to believe in the work of Jesus. The, the last thing that we have to do is we think about repent and believe. Yes, we submit to the authority of Jesus. We believe in the work of Jesus, and the last thing that we get to do, we get to experience the redemption of Jesus. We get to experience the redemption of Jesus. This is amazing. Let's, let's look at verse 11 through 13. It says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. Wow. Look at, look, if you look at this text, look at, it says, no one, uh, everyone who believes in him would not be put to shame. Put to shame. 
Some, some translation says you will not be ashamed. What, what is this speaking to? This is speaking to that we won't be disappointed. When we experience the redemption of Jesus, we won't be disappointed in making that decision to allow Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. And what this translation, what the, the, the translation of that word literally means, that Jesus is not going to fail us. Some other people in your life, they might fail you, but when it comes to standing before God on a day of judgment, Jesus, believing in Jesus and experiencing his redemption, Jesus will not fail us. He won't fail us. Has anybody ever had someone let you down? We serve a king who won't fail us. And part of Knowing if you're really saved is experiencing that redemption found in Jesus. I, I'm reminded of last year uh, for Essence Fest. I knew someone that worked for the mayor. They called me up. They're like, John, we're having this big party with the congressman and the mayor and all these people, and we want to invite you to this party. And I'm like, all right. You know, I love me a good party, you know, as long as it's a holy party, as long as it's a Holy Ghost party, because ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party, because the Holy Ghost party don't. Amen. <laughs> I'm not sure if this was a Holy Ghost party or not, but I wanted to go to this party. So they was like, you can come. You can, how many friends? I said, I'm going to have like five friends with me. So we're like, all right, we're going to go to this party. So we get down there, and there are hundreds of people outside this party. They said, when you get there, just give them your name, and they're going to let you in. So uh, me and my friends, we're walking through the crowd, and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. Yes, my name is on the list. Yes, excuse me, excuse me. You know, we're kind of going through the crowd. And I get up to the lady uh, who, has, who has the list of all the names, and I say, yes, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I know you've been waiting for me. I'm here. These are my friends. They're like, well, what's your name? It's like, John McCann. They look at the list. They say, sir, your name is not on this list. I was like, what? I was like, no, 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 no. But, but, but the person who works for this mayor, and they were like, well, what's her name? And I give them the person's name that told me to come and said they were going to take care of me. And the person at the door goes, oh, I've never heard of that person. I'm like, what? So I'm letting a call. I'm like, what is going on? Like, are you trying to prank me? Like, what is going on here? Come to find out this, this, this person, their name carried no weight. <laughs> we didn't get in that party that night. <laughs> but I share that story because that person's name failed me. But when we stand before God on a day of judgment, the name of Jesus, what he's done for us, it won't fail us. It won't fail you. Jesus won't fail you. So we see, we get to experience the redemption of Jesus. And, 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 and Paul says there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. And the reason why he says that is because he wants them to know, because there was a lot of talk back in, during that time on like, you know, well, who can be saved? You know, who's God's people? And what, 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 what Paul is saying here and what we need to take is that the gospel is a universal message that brings universal fulfillment. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done in your life, the fulfillment that comes from the gospel is available to everyone. It's available to you. Will you accept it? Will you experience the redemption found in Jesus? 
So as we go to the second question that I asked this morning, so the first question was, are you really saved? And I pray that as I've explained what it means, as, as we look at what Paul writes on what it means to be saved, I pray that today is a day of salvation for you. But, 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 but as we look at this, I also ask, if so, how are you actively on mission for Jesus? How are you actively on mission for Jesus? So the second part, yes, we must believe and we must repent and believe, but also we must recover and pursue. Because what we believe determines what we do. And what we do is impacted by what we pursue. So if, 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 if you believe that church's chicken has the best biscuits, when you get ready to go buy some biscuits, you're going to church's chicken. Now, if you're smarter and you believe that Popeye's chicken has the best biscuits, where are my Popeye's lovers in here? Can I get an amen? When you, hallelujah. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. That little kid, he knows. He knows the truth. And he wants the spicy chicken with it. Praise God. <laughs> I love it. If you know that Popeye's has that good chicken and that good biscuits, if that's what you believe, when it comes time to get some good biscuits, you're going to Popeye's. Amen? And what we believe about Jesus and the message of Jesus should also impact what we do, what we pursue. So for those of us who are saved, what can we take from this passage as it relates to recover and pursue? The first thing is we need to proclaim the message of Jesus. Proclaim the message of Jesus. Let's read verse 14. It says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Part of our recovery and part of our pursuit and part of our response of the gospel is to proclaim the message of Jesus. But you're looking at this text, you say, But John, they said, Preacher, I'm not no preacher. I didn't go to seminary. Well, I dropped out of seminary. Um, <laughs> I'm going back, though. Um, <laughs> but I don't know when, but I just said it in front of y'all, so I can't lie to my church, so y'all hold me accountable. Um, but, 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 but we lean into this truth. This word preach, it comes from the Greek word keruso, which means to be a herald or to announce. So this means that this term literally means that all of us, not just Dustin, not just myself, not just Brick, not just Weaver, but all of us are called to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And, and as we think about this, we think about the Great Commission, and, and maybe some of you all aren't familiar with the Great Commission is, but it's when God, Jesus, before he leaves, he tells us to go make disciples of all nations, and he tells us to do all these things. And a lot of us, when we think about the Christian walk and we think about the mission that we're on, we, we, we get confused because we need to realize that the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. It is a part of the Christian experience. A part of the Christian experience is not just to receive Jesus, but we are called to proclaim the message of Jesus. All the time. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. We're, we're, we're all citizens. Well, a lot of us, most of us are citizens of the United States. And as a citizen of the United States, you just don't pay your taxes one time. You pay every year. Not you're going to be getting a call from the IRS. It's a part of our obligation as a citizen of this country, and part of our obligation of a citizen of the kingdom is to continually proclaim the message of Jesus. 
So we think about this. So recover and pursue. We proclaim the message of Jesus. What else are we called to do? What else are we supposed to be doing as we're actively on mission for Jesus? Let's look. The next thing we're supposed to do is participate in the mission of Jesus. So we proclaim the message of Jesus, and then we participate in the mission of Jesus. Let's read what it says. It says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Does anybody like feet in here? We won't judge you. Miss Joan, amen. <laughs> this is not talking about the anatomy of a foot. It's metaphorically speaking, it's an analogy. It's basically saying that as we participate in spreading the gospel, this is a beautiful experience. It's beautiful. I know for me, when I was younger and I used to see people that came, that we shared the gospel with, that come and they gave their life to Jesus, I would just sit there and I would cry. There was something in me. I was like, man, this is beautiful. It's so beautiful. And as we think about that, we've all been justified. We have to lean into this truth. Our justification then should lead to our obligation now. We've been justified. That should lead. We have an obligation to participate in the mission of Jesus because we must get the word out. We have to get the word out. How can somebody believe in Jesus if they don't have the knowledge about Jesus? We have to get the word out, church, because there's a lot of people who are familiar with the name of Jesus. But guess what? There's a difference between being familiar with his name and having faith in his name. And we have this responsibility to participate in the mission of Jesus so that people can put their faith in Jesus. And the last thing as we recover and pursue is to practice the word of Jesus. Let's read verse 16 and it says, 16 and 17, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What's going on is a lot of people uh, that, that he's writing to, they're hearing about the gospel, but they're not believing. And a lot of us, when we share the gospel with other people, it's easy for us to feel like, oh, I saved this person, I saved this person. But the truth of the matter is we don't have the power to save anybody. We share, God saves. Our responsibility is to share the message. It's God's responsibility to change the heart. I, I, I shared this message with somebody recently, and they didn't accept it. But I did my part. Are you doing your part? And then it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And this is this truth that faith not only saves, but it sustains. This, this, as you look at this word, word, in the text, it comes from the word rima, which means a living word. So this is telling us faith comes from hearing and hearing through the living word of Christ as we practice the word of Jesus. So as I get ready to close, I just want to ask you, how are you going to respond, church? If you're in here and you don't believe in Jesus and you've never taken that step, today can be that day. Do I have any witnesses in here that can say that when I accepted Jesus, my life was changed, I was transformed, I have hope like I've never had, I've had peace like I never had. Can anybody testify to that? Even while we were singing that worship song to Jesus, I want to share of your work and I want to share of your news and I want to lift your name high. Jesus, I lift your name high. The reason why we were singing that is because we've experienced the transforming power of the gospel. We've experienced it. And it's been the greatest thing that we've ever experienced. It's been one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced. And I would love for you to accept Jesus and to really be saved. And then for those of us who have accepted Jesus, we've accepted him. Are we actively on mission? 
So I want to encourage you, believe in the gospel, share the gospel. Who is you want? Are you praying for them? Are you sharing with them? Are you inviting them? Are you inviting them? And I'll close with this last story. As it's raining outside, I hope it doesn't flood. <laughs> then we're going to be stuck in here. But, but last weekend, you know, we had a big uh, scare of a storm that was coming our way. And, and for some people, you know, evacuated. How many people evacuated? All right. Me too. I went, on a, I went to the beach um, <laughs> where that trip was already planned. But before I left, you know, people who have experienced Hurricane Katrina didn't want to take a chance of what might happen. And my mom was one of those people. So she told me before I left, she said, John, you need to go get some sandbags. We need to put sandbags in the back door. We need to put sandbags by the garage. We need to protect this house. A storm is coming. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so I went to go get some sandbags. And I go get these sandbags, and there's this huge uh, a bunch of dirt, a bunch of sand, and there's sandbags. And I'm sitting there, and I'm putting the sand in the sandbags. I just grabbed the, the first tool I saw, and I'm putting it in there, and it's, it's hard. I'm having a hard time. And the lady looks at me, and she's just looking at me. She's like, baby, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to put these, the sand in the sandbag. She says, sir, you're doing it wrong. First off, you don't use that tool to do it. Secondly, you don't hold the bag like that. And she comes over and she sees me living and doing it the wrong way. And she says, I'm not going to sit there and let him do it the wrong way. I've been here before. I know how it's supposed to be done. So she comes over there and she shows me what tool to use. She shows me what method to use. And instead of letting me sit there and suffer and go the wrong way, she knew the right way. And she opened up her mouth. But how many of us? When it comes to the gospel, we have friends, we have family, we have loved ones, we have all these people, and they're doing life the wrong way. They're putting faith in all these idols. They're thinking that they can get fulfillment from things that this world offers, but none of that can fulfill them. Only Jesus can fulfill them, and we've experienced the way, and we need to tell them. So I just believe with all my heart, I want to encourage you and challenge you as we're concluding this gospel conversation series as part of our Anticipate initiative, let us never forget that we know the way. We've experienced the way. And let's share the way. Everyone in this room, you've been given a choice and you've been given a voice. But what will you do with it? What will you do with it? Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much just for your word, God. I pray for everyone in this room, um, for anyone in this room that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God. I pray that today is the day of salvation. I pray, God, that today is a day where they will submit to your authority. They will believe in the work that you've done, God, and they will experience the redemption found in you. So many of people in here that have testified, God, that Jesus has saved us, that Jesus has transformed us. And I pray that this experience, even as Christina shared in that video, I pray that we're reminded. So many of us, we've been trying to do it our own way, God, but I pray today we can answer confidently that, yes, we are really saved. So I pray for salvation in this room, God. I also pray for every individual in this room, God, that is a part of Team Jesus. We've accepted and we've received you, God, but we've been keeping it to ourselves. 
And God, I know it can be uncomfortable. I know it can be a nerve-wracking, God, to try to share the gospel, to try to invite someone, to try to pray for someone, God. But I pray through your Holy Spirit, God, that you will remind us that that's what you've called us to do. We can come to church every Sunday. We can study the Bible. We can know everything about you, God. But if we're not living for you, what is the point? What is the point of coming here every week, God, and getting the amazing teachings that we get, God, from your word? What is the point of getting it and keeping it to ourselves when we have brothers and sisters and friends and coworkers and loved ones, God, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, God? So I pray, I pray, God, as we recover and as we pursue you, as we pursue you, God, that you would be with us. I pray that gospel conversations won't be a one-time thing, God, but it would be a lifestyle. And I pray for forgiveness, God. Forgive me, forgive those in here, God, who has been selfish with the good news. And I pray that we would share it, God. I thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you're continuing to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.